You are listening to Flipping the Narrative. Come and flip with us. Hi, everybody. Welcome again to Flipping the Narrative. It's been forever because life and COVID and COVID and life has sort of hit. It hit me. It hit Louise. Even yeah. Bambina, no? Bams, you had a scare recently. Well, I, I had a scare, yeah. And yeah, it turned out to be a false positive. I well, think, luckily enough. I don't know how many <laughs> tests I did. And <laughs> Feels like pregnancy. Every- Looking at all those tests going, dear God, dear God, dear God. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we're back. And I'm actually really, really excited because this might be the topic that is closest to my heart, which is representation. And I've always wondered, you know, one of my famous, one of my favorite things to say is, Pucha, in the 4,000 episodes of Grey's Anatomy, there's not one freaking Filipino doctor or nurse. Saan kaya to? Where the hell is this in the States na walang Pinoy nurse or doctor, right? And for all of the hyper-presence of Filipinos all over the world, I've really found parang how kulang. Why are we not as present in film, in music, in TV, <coughs> in theater as we really are all over? We're like a rash, diba? We keep spreading. So... That's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm super excited because we have two guests with us who are pretty awesome. Um, the first is, is to me a personal tickled moment, truly, because A, she's incredible, Chris Salas, um, smart as a whip and hugely mega qualified and, and a big warrior woman in the field of representation, really sort of all about diversity and inclusion and equity and belonging. She's a consultant in those fields um, for, for everybody, basically schools, consultants, et cetera, et cetera. But in addition to that, she is a director. And the personal thing I want to share is she probably is, was the most influential person for me as a young student at our university, as a woman, as a woman of color, as an Asian American, as a Filipina American, and definitely as a director. Since then, she... She's worked in media, right? In um, casting, even, no, Chris? In HBO, in BBS, in MTV, in just so many, so many areas. And she's a freaking lawyer. So I'm just saying, like, she's got a lot going on here, a lot of expertise, and she's pretty freaking awesome. She's also heading up all the alumni stuff at Brown, you know, for BIPOC, for Asian American. She's just, she's just a rock star. So yay! Welcome, welcome, Chris. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank I you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so humbled also, by that. I'm so humbled. Uh, I mean, you did it all. I just I just said it all, but you actually did it all. So yay. Oh my God. You know how okay. when you meet somebody in college and like, you know, you you definitely realize that you never want to lose contact with that person. And you're like, no matter what happens, I don't give a crap what happens <laughs> yeah. in the rest of my life. I'm 22 years old and that person has to be my friend for the rest of my life. Amen. Um, Amen. That was what happened when I met you. Oh, yeah, All right. absolutely. I'm also hormonal, so I'm going to be crying soon. But to get it's us okay. going, I'm going to pass the baton here to Bambina to introduce our other guest, who's also really, really impressive. So I'm super psyched to have him here. Go Bams. I know, Victor, yes. Uh, well, I didn't meet him in my 20s. I only met him recently, <laughs> but I feel we're going to be friends for life as well. And actually, we met virtually at first during the pandemic. 
Um, I got him to speak on a panel that I was putting together for Manila House about representation as well, what, like about Asians coming to Hollywood and, you know, the entertainment industry and everything. And um, we have a lot of friends in common as well. And so we only actually finally met in person after being, you know, um, WhatsApp pals for a bit um, last week last or two week. weeks ago. Last week, exactly. And um, just right when he was off to, you know, just about to leave for New York, where, where he, he's based now, kind of based in New York and England at the same time, doing both. Um, he has like the most impressive rap sheet. I have to say, I'm not even gonna, I don't even rap know where sheet. to start. He's a writer, producer, actor, um, works in theater, um, has, was in The King and I as well in the 19th 77 production in the Kennedy Fantastic. Center. So, I was born in the 70s. I was born in the 70s. <laughs> Wait, what year was that? What year was, was the King the, and I? Sorry, did I it, get it, it wrong? Was the, it was the 97 revival. Oh, 97. Sorry, but you could have been the, the record. <laughs> the record. Yeah, 97. You meant 97. Yeah, but, <laughs> no, <laughs> and you've also you studied um, theater at uh, Bristol at the Old Vic as well. Am I right? Wow. Did I get it right? Yeah, and so you know, and and we, I remember we had this really interesting discussion about you know when we talk about representation, we talk about Filipino stories being told. But I, what I like about what Victor does is kind of the universality of stories such as what Shakespeare's written and everything mm. and how Filipinos can also be a part of it. That representation can also be in that way, right? That mm. you have every right to direct and cast or, you know, or write or Filipinos um, in, um, in a play that's as old as time, you know, as, as classic mm -hmm. as what Shakespeare's done. So, um, and also he is, um, how do I say that? He's very good friends with your producer as well and all that. And you've, um, you work closely with Lea Salonga um, mm. in New York and, and I guess in the Philippines. So, and Lea Salonga is kind of like her presence on the international stage has been seminal for, for a, a lot of us, a right? Of, yeah, um, a lot of Pinoy's. Saigon and everything. So, and she is, you know, the longevity of her career speaks for itself. Like she's been going from strength to strength as well. And I think she is in some um series now no uh gosh uh, yeah, well, liars is in HBO, yeah. yes that's right yeah. <laughs> there you go <laughs> thank you victor welcome i don't i don't think i did you an injustice with this very brief introduction but you know we're we're so thrilled to have you here the man made a martini so that's already <laughs> up there no actually i didn't have time <laughs> yeah. i just i just poured wine well thank you for for the lovely introduction <laughs> I, I was, um, as Bambina said, it's great to be part of this panel. I had a lovely time a year ago, the other panel. Um, I, was, uh, I was an actor by trade. I mm. trained classically at Lambda in London, and mm. I am mostly practicing as a theater director nowadays. Um, I did my uh, master's in theater directing at Old Vic. Mm. And recently worked there earlier this year in a production that is actually slated for the West End. Um, Exciting. Fantastic. Awesome. How, how very, very posh. <laughs> Lovely. I'm so, no, I just, I love being here with you guys because you, you've 
been in the trenches, right? And basically the question I really wanted to ask is that, where are all the Filipinos at, man? Like, what the fuck? We're everywhere. Tang ina in LA airport. All yeah. of us, you know. And, and we're so kulang. I find so much Korean-Americans, right? Every time I see Korean-Americans in, on, of course, we need representation period across the board. We do, mm-hmm. right? But I've, I've always found it shocking. Na parang, why are we so kulang? Now more, huh? Now. But it took a while, right? The last one I remembered was, I don't know if you guys remember the Tom Selleck movie with Paulina Poritskova. He had a maid who cleaned his room and spoke in Tagalog. And I remember being in the cinema in the my Philippines. Alibi. And he, <laughs> uh, which, alibi. My alibi, right? Her, her, her alibi. Her alibi. Her alibi, yeah. And I remember watching it in a cinema in Manila. And, and when I heard the cleaning lady speak Tagalog, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. She's speaking. And she even cussed. Whatever. So, yeah, I'd love to hear from you guys. Why do you think it's taken us so freaking long to kind of come out? Well, wait, but yeah. there was also Priscilla, remember? Queen of the Desert. Uh, That's right. You know, I was just about to say, yeah. Yeah, vagina trajectory. Yeah, right. Chris is like, squeeze me? Yeah, yeah. Bend over and shoot out the ping pong. Supposedly, this is a trick that Filipina male order brides know. I mean, I've been practicing it for years, but I can't seem to get it. So. <laughs> but so have but I? Yes. Have you gotten any better? <laughs> I know, right? Just, just like six inches. Not so good. So anyway, what, where, <laughs> why, do you, why do you guys think it's taking this long to get us out there? I literally have a half a dozen theories. <laughs> okay, go. literally have a half a dozen theories. Okay, um, and Victor, I like you. I actually started out as a theater director. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons I left was because I didn't see a clear path forward for myself in that career coming of age when I did, you know, it was late, it was the early nineties when 90s. I was coming into the profession and I couldn't see a clear path forward for myself, uh, as a theater director, as a woman and as a person of color mm-hmm. coming into, um, just basically, you know, theater. Um, and I was in, I was on the East coast and a lot of that had to do with <coughs> representation. You know, I, there was nobody around like me and you can only be the first and not have it be exhausting after a while. And, and that's why I made the move into television because it was a little bit more stable. It was a little bit more corporate. I liked having health insurance, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. And, and again, it was, I was the only Asian Right. Wherever I was and everybody, whenever I walked into a network, everybody was like, well, are you sure you're not the new IT person? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm actually the new standards and practices person. So I'm going to be telling you what you can actually say on, on, you know, on air on screen. Yeah. On screen. And yes, I have to work with comedy writers to make sure that they know what they can. And yes, I do know how to, how a joke is constructed. So yes, mm-hmm. I do. I can tell you what that's about. Mm-hmm. You know, so you endure a lot of like, well, you know, women aren't funny and, uh, and you know, and like Asian women certainly are not funny. And, mm. you know, you've got a sense of humor and you know who you remind me of. And me saying things like, if you say Margaret Cho, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and then people thinking like, that's really funny, that's but like I don't happy think like Margaret Cho. <laughs> you know, and so I think <laughs> there's, okay, so I have this theory and this kind of is 
uh, along the lines of a theory that I texted to Laura about food yeah. and cuisine. It's along the same lines, uh, sort of along the lines of like, why did it take so long for Filipino cuisine to become mm-hmm. hot? And my theory has a lot to do with language, mm. English language. So there, because of, because Filipinos have facility with English language and are taught the English language, there's an invisibility that ends up happening because of it. And an assimilation becomes a lot easier and a lot faster. The way that plays out, say, in cuisine is that, you know, think about it this way. It took me like a while to come up with this because I was like, well, what? Well, why did why do we have so many Chinese restaurants? Why do we Mm -hmm. have like so many sushi joints? Like a lot of these places are, you know, small mom and pop places. People had to like create these businesses to survive and support their families. Mm -hmm. Well, what did Filipinos do? Well, Filipinos speak English. They could become nurses. Mm. You know, they could become domestic, you know, they could become domestic workers. You know, it's the facility of the English language. They didn't have to create their own businesses in order to survive in this country. They had to, they could, they had the, they had the opportunity to do other things. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing. And, and so if you kind of extrapolate from that, being able to sort of speak English eases the path to assimilation, mm-hmm. right? So there's one aspect. So, you know, you can be a lot more assimilated if you're Filipino. Eh? So, and I'm so Chris, about the United States, so right? it's like we weren't other enough to be cast in those Asian roles, maybe? Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it also goes to, you know, I mean, uh, in my experience, a lot of the Filipino actors that I know and knew, and Vicky, you tell me if, if you had this experience, <clears throat> the, I'm not sure how to place you. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure what, what ethnicity I can place you as. Right. You know, so there's that. But then there's also the really big piece. The really big thing is how many Filipinos are actually creating stories? Mm. That's, that's, an ex- that's a really important point. Yeah. Huge that's a really one. important point. We, you know, there has to be the desire to tell your own story. Mm. You know, if you do not create your own mythology, no one's going to give a shit about your story. Right. If you don't feel yeah. like it's important to mm. share your story, no one will think the same. No one will believe it Actually, for you. you know? Actually, if you right? think about Filipino American literature, the same, Comp- it, right? It's there's right. a paucity compared to how long yeah. our history is in, as immigrants in the states, for example. It's it's shockingly lean. It's more than we think. Definitely, there's a lot out there we don't know. Yeah, but but it's shockingly lean, right? Right for our presence in the exactly. in the culture. Exactly. And what is that? Where do you? What do you? I mean, that's the bigger question. Like, why do we believe that? Because that what that leads you to believe is that we don't feel like our story is worth telling. Right. So well, and also, you know what, Chris, yeah. adding to that, huh, I think the, yeah. the facility of assimilation, I think, is, is part of that, too, because a lot of Filipino yeah. Americans, certainly my my immigrant family in the States was like, we're, we're American. There was such a desire not to be other yeah, <laughs> that it was really like, just, you know, like we're Pinoy at home, but we're not mm-hmm. we're not black. We're not Latino. We're not. <clears throat> whatever Cambodian I, I do think if I may that yeah, please, I, please, I please. do 
you know, first I, I, I just wanted to, you know, uh, Chris, thanks. I mean, you guys, um, set it all up for us, you know, following your footsteps and thank you. You for better that. run with that baby. <laughs> no, honestly, no, 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 You take that old thing and you take that West End. Seriously. That's you right. go do That's it. Nice. But I do think that, um, I do think that it is changing. I think the first generation yeah. Filipino Americans are driving it. Yeah. Um, perhaps because Filipinos are good immigrants. Very we good immigrants. Come, we come from a very obedient culture. Yeah. So very. when we come to America yes. or any other country, right. we come mm-hmm. to any other country, we assimilate and mm-hmm. we respect the culture of the country that we immigrate into. Mm-hmm. Hence, the generation before us are not so compelled mm-hmm. to be as entrepreneurial, to be right. as, as, as um, autonomous with any creative artistic life. Because first and foremost, the economic aspect of having to live in a new world becomes a priority. Mm-hmm. I do think it's changing, however. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the first generation Americans are, are starting to drive it. I just want to, you know, I think in order for us to have um, this conversation, I think it is important to talk about the landscape. And I think Chris knows this better than I do. Um, it is we'll first, <laughs> first and firm, foremost, I think it is about the perception of the decision makers. Yes. Right now, according yeah. to the APAC insight and data, 93.6% of those producing content are white. Yeah. We are well, largely there you go. We are largely dependent on those decision makers. Mm-hmm. Even if the content is written by a BIPOC creator. Yep. Mm-hmm. The gatekeepers 60, still white. Yeah. The gatekeepers 60% still the, of it is the gatekeepers are still white people. Yeah. And right. the general landscape is still over 60% Caucasian Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm just going to say something that's really uncomfortable. And I think Chris touched on this. Mm-hmm. We talk about Filipino pride. We talk about, mm-hmm. but we don't cultivate and invest mm-hmm. in our own people Ugh, in terms rich. of the development of it. Mm. But here's the here's like ninety three percent ninety three point three like who no one is producing no one is mm-hmm. um uh, in terms of like the the economic aspect of yeah. of content creation mm-hmm. where is the support from our community Amen Yeah Ooh, but here's why here's here's mm-hmm. one I'm gonna throw this out and yet it's like another comment that might be uncomfortable which mm-hmm. is. Where is the pride? Okay. But how much, if you think about how many generations of shame mm. there have been around sort of Filipino identity. Mm. Okay. Think about that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I can, and, and let me talk about like, I, I can only specifically talk about um, being Pino, like Phil Am. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm Filipino American, right? I'm, I'm a generation 1.5. Mm-hmm. I came over when I was a baby. I'm one of those people that, you know, my parents never spoke Tagalog to me because they didn't want me to be held back. Right. Right? I understand why they made that decision. Mm -hmm. I am heartbroken every day, the older I get, that they didn't Mm -hmm. make that, that they chose that path. Mm -hmm. 
but I understand 100% why they did. You know, I have so much um, empathy for them making that decision because I know that that decision was hard for them. And, you know, I have 12 years of therapy. (laughs) You know, know, BIPOC Asian woman therapist in New York that, you know, helped work all that, work all that shit out. But (laughs) that aside, that aside, uh, that aside, there's, you know, there are, there are questions about like, what is there to be proud of? Right. Mm -hmm. What does pride, what does being proud of being Filipino actually mean? Absolutely. For some people. Throw one word out there. uh, I I don't want to forget, but uh, we've spoken about this um, a few times and Mm -hmm. I think we struggle between two things on, on the one side, it's deservability. Right. Which is. Yes. um, So the issue, not only here at home, but, you know, the generations of of folks who went, you know, abroad. So Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, like your parents and people who's like, do I, you know, like let let my kids be the ones who get, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, the, the new, the the possibilities, the options, Mm -hmm. right. Everything out there. Um, We, we will not hold you back. Right. But we Mm -hmm. don't deserve this because you, you know, we don't, this is is the whole issue of, 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 of the shame. Right. Yeah, of, right. of things that have been attached to us generally mm-hmm. because of the first people who went out, right? And and, and mm-hmm. what they're doing for, for their children and for the community. On the second, on the other side, I think is um, as Filipinos, we, we don't like people who are mayabang, right? It has mm-hmm. to be, you have to be humble. So if you try to tell a story, you will be nailed to the wall because mm-hmm. you should not be proud of any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe somewhere in between is we grow up with this need or expectation from others to be forever indebted to other people. And it's on us to take care of your cousin, your brother, your sister, your whatever. Luis is not a big fan ever. of utang na loob. Oh, no. <laughs> um, He's not a big I, fan I, of no, utang so na loob. It's almost like we, we, we bring down our own community, our own folk. Until yeah. they're old enough to then they replicate the same thing with the next mm-hmm. generation. Absolutely. And, and it Actually, is so I'm- hard because in, in, in all of this, in that spectrum, uh, is, is very Filipino as well, right? I mean, yeah. such dichotomies. Yeah. And, and you know what, wait. Louise? I actually, I struggle with that because mm-hmm. I've been navigating going back and forth Manila mm-hmm. and New York, going to yes. Manila for, um, for personal family business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I have to truly adjust my attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To accommodate yeah. exactly. Just to go home. But yeah. I want to just, I want to very quickly piggyback on what Chris was saying earlier. Because, and I'm, I'm, if I may offer this, I'm going to contribute this just from the prism of my own experience. Mm-hmm. Fa- Filipino families, particularly from the previous generation, they don't necessarily encourage us to pursue the art. Right, mm-hmm. you don't say. Whereas, <laughs> and and especially nowadays, those opportunities mm-hmm. come from an institution. Sixty-three percent of yeah. dramatic arts mm-hmm. degrees yes. were awarded to largely white Eurocentric <laughs> artists. Absolutely. From my experience, I ran a theater company for ten years in New York. Mm-hmm. I. I was bored. I, I, I was, I was, from a creative perspective, we did really, really interesting work. 
Which company yeah, did you run? Successful. It was Diverse City Theater. It was for mm-hmm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. Really, we, we had a great run. You know, mm-hmm. I happened to have realized that I was getting comfortable and regurgitating the ideas and the mm-hmm. forms that I've mm-hmm. been practicing, that it was no longer interesting. So I, wanted, I needed a challenge. So I mm-hmm. wanted to go back at my young age of my 40-something, that I wanted to go back and retrain myself in more of a post-traumatic approach and expression Mm -hmm. and form. So it just happened that I got into a prestigious institution. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have, if I didn't pursue this, Mm -hmm. I could have worked my ass off for the next hundred years. Yeah, and voila. In multiples of a hundred times. Absolutely. Just because I was the old Vic, I was, mm. a, I was given opportunities yep. to work with Mark Rylands, yes. to, to, you yeah. know, to be introduced to the artistic directors of the Royal Shakespeare Company, of the Alameda yeah. Theater, mm-hmm. of the Don Mar- like these. But if I didn't have that, if I didn't pursue it, mm. but such actions are not necessarily encouraged mm. by, to listen. By, by our family cultures because they want yeah. you to be doctors and lawyers yeah. and that's where the opportunities are you know totally. um, okay i have to add because, to that. because when you when you go to such oh, institutions oh, you are offered showcase opportunities where mm-hmm. you get to meet with agents yeah yep. you know i was yeah. introduced to michael boyd to greg doran of the rsa mm-hmm. to, 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 to the, the great sally cookson yep. to ian mckellen mm-hmm. you know if i didn't have the training and just having, if I didn't get yeah. into such an institution, I would, again, I would still be picking props from the garbage dumpster on 42nd street. Yeah, totally. And okay, which I still do. And I'm, I'm it, still very it, willing it. to do that. Don't get me wrong. So I have no shame. You know, it's, in the middle of Missouri every right. year. Exactly. Yeah. So wait, so, so we had education wait. creates opportunities and networking opportunities and, and 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 it, it gets us in, you know. Agreed. Rowena Arguelles is a Filipina. Yeah. She is one of the top. She has yeah. more Academy Award nominated and winning writers and directors in Hollywood than any other agent in the mm. industry. She's been profiled in Vanity Fair, and mm. and that's because she pursued it. Like what um, Chris was saying, you know, she's one of yeah. the very few that really drove it. Yeah, right. uh, but um, you need somebody like that, and you need um, Laura. I know you, you, you really want to say something. <laughs> I do, I do. Which oh, is this? To to Victor's point earlier, we don't fucking support our artists. Period. Right, and part of it is mm. I get it is because, pucha, I want my kid to be able to eat, <laughs> to have, to be able to support the Lola and the cousin and the yeah. guy, like Luis was saying, right? right? And we did actually an episode. With um oh okay this Reb, is COVID yeah, brain fog. Sina- Red Batadero. Yeah. And yeah. um two other actors, right? Who are all yeah. and, and the entire one, point of the podcast. Was, uh, yeah, with Miss Saigon also. Remember? Yeah. She was a Miss yeah, Reyes and, 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 and then one Reese, working That's right, this. that's right. Sorry, I really have COVID brain fog. I can't remember the name of my children. Point is <laughs> we were all talking about the fact that our government does nothing. Our community does nothing to support our artists to begin with. So they start here. You come to Manila. 
let's say, for example, we're not even talking about the film um, experience, right? But certainly you come to Manila and like, no one really goes to the theater. And then if we do, it's like, and we always have shit to say and we don't want to pay for the tickets, right? When they mm-hmm. go abroad, oh my God, welcome home yeah. the hero. Now they're held up as everything. And there's yeah. not, but it's the same with our government, with our sport, where our athletes, no one gives a shit. Yeah. No one supports Oh my them. God. It's Carlos Yulo. Carlos Yulo, who just won a world, who last year won a world championship. So yeah, the government no wouldn't give him a well. dime yeah, exactly. for his training. So it, exactly. it took a Japanese, a Japanese coach mm. to take him on, get him into an elite school on scholarship. Right. Carlos Yulo was living with his coach, feeding him. He wins a world championship and, and Pinoy pride. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. How, the, how exactly. fucking dare you? And that's but, exactly what our government functions as, period, for everything. So we won't feed our own people, but all of you overseas Filipino workers who send back money, and which is why our economy is, is surviving at all, you're the heroes. Their lives, meanwhile, yeah. are miserable and they're not supported by the government either. And that's mm-hmm. why, like, to Chris's naman credit, really, and I guess it, to you, you know, Victor, making these, running with it, as it were, right? But also these very targeted, very specific efforts for getting representation on the screen, for getting people connected in networks, in support systems, in communities, in the States, in Europe, all those things. That's why it's so freaking important, diba? Because our government's not going to do it, eh? And our families often won't either. <laughs> so, like, looking out for each other is so important. Yeah, I, I really do think that we do need to invest in arts education in the Philippines. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, I, th- I think some of the most interesting and important mm-hmm. theater pieces I've seen in Manila, and I mm-hmm. go see theater in Manila every time I'm there, is mm-hmm. at PETA. Um, PETA is doing amazing, innovative, like interesting storytelling. And when I hear, because I have friends who've worked in those productions, and when I mm-hmm. hear of what the producers have had to stretch in terms of funding, mm-hmm. how much they're paying actors and artists. Yep. Pins. It's shameful. Yeah. It is yeah. shameful. shameful. And their and their and their government. Their, um, forgive my ignorance. It's probably the only like government subsidized theater institution in the country. Yes, I think so. I think so. Oh yeah. My yeah, God. yeah. It's um. It's really shameful. And and also, I I wanted to. I wanted to also, again, my God, Chris, you're giving me a lot of like, <laughs> you know, like. Victor, <clears throat> obviously this, after this phone call, you and I are going to have to have drinks somewhere. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris has about, that effect on people. I'm sure we when know you talk a lot about, of the same people. <laughs> when you talk about identity and, 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 and stories and stories we want to tell, I think just from my perspective, mm-hmm. We, we, we dig so hard in trying to be, to, to, to be like, to, 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 to excavate a Filipino mm-hmm. culture that we want to scream and bark to the world. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what that is. Yes. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This is going to be very Absolutely. controversial. But I think, in my, in my opinion, I think we should embrace the fact that we are, for the last, since 
the, the, the what the mid 16th century, even going back to less than a thousand to like a thousand AD, that we are a colonized culture. Yes. You know? That's yes. rich. That is rich. It is unique. We have Asian, European, American like influences. Mm. The, we are actually a more diverse culture than any other civilization. Absolutely. I know of. 100%. If we, just, if we just embrace that and mm-hmm. try to use art and theater to bridge that yeah. as an actor to our ancestors and tell stories that way, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to be A, B, C, D, E, I think there's something to be explored there. Yep. Um, but that, but that needs to be encouraged. Like what you're describing. That needs to be funded. What you're mm. describing is meta postcolonialism is what you're describing. It's the next level of postcolonialism. It's the part mm. where you make peace with being yeah. a colonized culture, right? But also, yeah. but, but pre-colonial Philippines, pre-colonial Philippines before the Spaniards came is actually yeah. really interesting. Absolutely. There's a lot of stories there. Yeah, no, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I, what I'm yeah. saying is that you need to you need to kind of get past the desire, the post-colonial desire mm. to assimilate and Great. love your colonizer, right? You know what I mean? And then you have to get past the, the period where you're angry with your colonizer, Definitely. right? And then you have to get to, to that third stage of, mm. I am all of you, mm-hmm. you know? Thank I am you. all exactly. of you. Exactly. That is exactly. I am yeah. all of you. And yeah. just right. accept it, right? I mean, in fact, that if, so if the Spanish Empire didn't colonize us, we would have been a Muslim country. Yeah. Because right. the we're, Islam we're, way of life was already kind of yeah. partially a Muslim country. Yeah. We're yeah. the original yeah. both I and mean, sing. But go ahead, Bams. Canina pa even wanted yeah, to say no, something. No, 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 that's, that's what I've been, no, no, no yeah. don't worry. That's part of what I've, you know, part of my research, right? And my, yeah. you know, my masters and everything is acceptance of cultural hybridity. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's who we are, right? But exactly. the problem there is that, again, you talk about who has the voice, who has, who's being heard. Because when mm-hmm. you say cultural hybridity, it's still kind of, priv- if someone like me saying it, it's still kind of privileges what's called the lowland Christian culture of the Philippines, which is very mm-hmm. Spanish and American influenced, right? But there's a whole highland culture of, you know, we have the, the Atis, the Ifugaos and all that, mm-hmm. that you know, for the most part, never was never actually yeah. really colonized. Like the right. Spanish didn't even get into the Spanish influences really along the coast. Most of it, they weren't really able to yeah. get in and and you know co- yeah. conquer. If yeah. that's why there's their 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 culture is still very strong, and actually, it's being cannibalized maybe by us now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a new like you were saying a meta kind of colonization. Mm-hmm. But yeah. by the same token, our it goes also back to our identity as an as easily assimilable people that right. we kind of also like the whole colonial thing, right? We like the Spanish influence. We like the American. So the whole notion of decolonization, like tearing down the statues and all, never existed here, you know, right. and I don't think it's really going to take root because we're also, we're proud. I mean, there's, there's no like, like we live that privilege. Like, we yeah. live that privilege yeah. this yeah. minute. Yeah. If I may, yes, the other thing exactly. is that's, that, that might also be quite controversial. It's really funny how um, a lot of it, I guess, goes back to education or let's just even say information, right? I don't mm. think we have enough 
generations today have enough um, info on what happened with the influence that we got from Indonesia down in the south, mm-hmm. what happened with um, a lot of the India Indians who moved into the Philippines to become traders during the whole colonial era with the Spaniards, the mm-hmm. Chinese came in. We don't have that info. So mm-hmm. we are at a loss to begin with because we don't know how to identify with that history because mm-hmm. we don't have it available to us to begin mm-hmm. with. The other yeah, side I, in fact, actually, actually, I think Luis, like the Indian traders, along with the Chinese and the Arabic, were even before, before. this. Absolutely. Yes, before. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? And, before. And then it just became much, much bigger because the Philippines was so rich that, yeah. it, I mean, we had big sub-communities <laughs> living in Manila and around the Philippines just to do the okay. trade. Yeah. Okay. Just look at the so, gold that we produced in Surigao. Okay. Going then to quote the castability or presence of Pinoy's in popular culture, right? I think mm. everything Luis is saying, everything we've all been saying here, to me at least, leads to that. And Chris actually said it; she alluded to it early on. I don't, I don't know, kasi how to cast you. You know what I mean? And I certainly heard that. Like I wasn't Asian enough, and I wasn't mm-hmm. white enough when I was mm-hmm. trying to go out there and trying to audition for stuff. I just wasn't anything. <clears throat> For anybody to but cast. Then Laura, and I do agree. We try to, why would we try to wear other people's shoes? No, why can't we be producing our own work? I totally agree. That's and I think suit. that's finally you know? changing, right? So in terms yeah. of like popular, what you coined as popular culture, mm-hmm. if we write and produce a compelling story, it will be mainstream. I totally agree. And, 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 and it, I think it, we're it seeing more of it. To, doesn't have to fit into the mold of what you know agreed but i think historically one of the reasons why we might have been quote harder to cast and i'm not saying it's a right reason i'm saying that's what we were told right is because i didn't quite know could you be the latino (laughs) could you be the the i don't know the korean immigrant or whatever what i find interesting now is it is actually it's more present right there was a filipina doctor in house there was the and this I really was so flummoxed by in in the good place, the yeah. the, the guapo. What's his name? Yeah. I forget now his character. Jacinto, something like that, right? Yeah, and he's like a guy, skater yeah. dude, and I don't know. But anyway, yeah. when they said he was Filipino, I was like, get the fuck out of here! Like I couldn't quite connect the Filipino I was seeing on screen with what I my understanding of Filipino Americanness for example, which was great because it was another angle because we're not monolithic, right? We're halo-halo. But then there's now Joko. I mean, Rex Navarrete, who we're going to be meeting soon, actually kind of broke mm-hmm. that, you know, broke ground there as well. But Easter Sunday that just came out is the first kind of all Filipino, all whatever, to at least gain more attention. Apparently Spielberg was involved. I mean, you know, just the amount of people who are in it who are actual Pinoys and all of that. Is it a great movie? Meh, we can debate that, whatever. My problem also, Kase, is like when you finally see representation of a traditionally erased or occluded culture, anything that comes out has to be everything. <laughs> and it cannot be, right? Yeah. right. It's never right. going to be everything. It's going to have imperfections, which is why we need more of it. More stories right. and definitely more written by us, right? But well, it is that, shifting. That's what my problem was with that movie. <laughs> And direct yes. Say it, Chris. Say it, Chris. I want to hear. Great I want to hear. Great yeah. tell, Chris. Yeah. Spill it. Go, Chris. I, I said to Laura when, when we were talking about me coming on the podcast, I texted her one night in the middle of the night when it was one of those instances where she was like, why, is, why the hell is this bitch 
doing this like <laughs> um i said to her i had just seen easter sunday because like a good little filipino i was like i gotta go see it opening weekend i gotta support my man joe coy mm. who i have some issues with his stand-up me too much a lot of them yes yeah i have tons of issues with his stand-up but you know what it's gotta <clears throat> i'm working through them um <laughs> And the reason we're being cast in the roles that we're getting cast is because of. The I story. mean, right. yeah. Okay. I'm like, all right, Joe, I, I get it. That's what gets you booked in the clubs. I get mm-hmm. it. But I mean, you know. Okay. So say it, Chris. Anyway. I want to hear. Go. So <laughs> I felt like, and I feel like if he tried, well, obvious, it's pretty obvious he tried to do too many things at once. Mm. I also feel like. He didn't write that movie, first of all. He didn't write that movie. That movie was written by another um, Filipino-American. And when you look at the writing credits, it's story by Ken Chang, who's Filipino-American and originally from Daly City. Mm -hmm. And then he had a co-writer who was a white woman. So that tells me, that Mm. tells me, yeah, exactly. That tells me that the studio, Mm. that the studio either put them together Mm. Or um, she was hired as a script doctor mm-hmm. for that kind of a situation. Or I don't know, they could be friends and he wanted to partner with her because she had more experience as a screenwriter. I don't know. I have no idea. I couldn't find anything mm-hmm. um, when I was sort of looking, I was researching the movie and I wanted to find out sort of exactly what, the, you know, like what had happened with the deal and production and all that stuff. I couldn't find anything else. Um, and there's that one scene where he's doing that audition at the very beginning. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, can you, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's a funny line. Can you, you know, you kind of sound 30% Filipino. Can you bump it up to 15, 50, <laughs> which is kind of a funny line. Um, but it's a funny line just because it's a funny line. Right. right. Um, and I kind of like, I'm sort of like, okay, well uh, that again, that felt like every part that was actually funny and charming was really simple mm. and it was mm-hmm. just sort of slice of life you know it was just part of being filipino <clears throat> you know like i like when the mother's taking out all the groceries out of her bag and like i see this big bottle of datuputi coming out of the bag i was like that's <laughs> fucking adorable right right you know um just seeing the like you know seeing the uh Mayan, like laid out on the picnic mm-hmm. table right awesome right like ordering the hollow hollow you know like oh will you get me i love the pinny pig i love the crunch you know like that right. line really mm-hmm. cute yeah. right yeah. like all the throwaway shit was really wonderful and charming mm-hmm. and funny and if he had made if ken Cheng had written that movie mm-hmm. or maybe he did write that movie that would have been an important movie mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that would have been a great movie and it doesn't matter that it's not everybody's every Filipino's experience. It doesn't matter that it's not that mm-hmm. it's everybody's Philam experience. But it's a story of a family. And it's a story mm-hmm. of a family who happens to be Filipino American. Mm-hmm. Fucking great. Mm-hmm. That's a great story. If on the other hand, because you've got a stand-up comic, you have to make it into a buddy comedy. Mm-hmm. Right? Where the where the heavy is like some sort of like nondescript, undefinable South Asian, Middle Eastern, don't know, but he's the heavy. Right. Like, what? Mm. Mm. Right? If you're going to commit to the buddy action comedy, 
Mm. Fucking commit to the buddy action comedy, right? And if you need to throw in slices of life, like if you're going to make it over the top <laughs> and broad and like, this is what we want to do. We want to do a Kevin Hart movie with a Filipino guy in it, you know, <laughs> which is what the other movie look, which is what the other plot line looked like to me, right. you know, because what that tells me, putting those two together, they didn't trust that the story was enough. Right. Mm. Worry about his family yeah. was enough. Right. You needed something. Yeah. No, I see right. that. And you know what? You can't, and, and they didn't trust that Filipinos wouldn't want to come out to just see a story about a Filipino family. That's so true. Like they true. had to make it because it's Joe Coy and because Joe Coy is dating Ch- Chelsea Handler and because Joe Coy, you know, fills up these arenas, you know, in the United States with Filipinos. Hello. Yeah, you know, exactly. like he sells out every fucking date, but they're all mm-hmm. fil- like he sells out dates because Filipino communities will go out to see him. Mm-hmm. Right. They underestimate yep. what a Filipino audience is going to want to see. They're going to, they're, yeah. they're, they're like, Philip. I mean, it was sort of like, oh, I felt like it was a Filipino white movie. Mm. That makes mm. sense. You know? But you're right about, it felt like a, it, what is it, Central Intelligence with Kevin Hart and Dwayne The Rock yeah. Johnson, right? Yeah. That entire was, movie. Imagine if they had dug into, like, Kevin Hart's Day in the Life of African American Professionals. That's right. what this movie would have been. Instead, totally. that movie was just a buddy action movie, right? Right. And like, but buddy action this was both. Was fine. Right. Yeah, right. and this was like I felt like the buddy action parts were put in to like, you know, yeah. make it because palatable it wasn't enough. for the white friend right. that the Filipino was going to want to bring, mm. right? Like that was kind of I was like it was completely unnecessary because you know what the rest <clears> of the movie was fucking fine. Yeah. You know, like crazy been- rich Asians. It was really just about the crazy rich Asians. We didn't have to have a subplot about a spy game like happening between Singapore and the Pentagon or something. It, it just, I, hate, it, what, I mean, I hate I mean? subplots. I hate crazy subplots. <laughs> I'm like, just tell the fucking story, man. Just tell the fucking story. People are interesting enough. Yeah. And when you, when you, when you, when you say they, you're referring to the studio people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally referring to, you know, how many people that movie had to get through to get approved, right. To get greenlit. And you know how many times that they, I mean, it's, and even edits, there's some reshoots that are so horrible in that Mm. film that you're like, they green screen that it's so bad. Right. Yeah. You know? And so like, it was enough just to have the, like, like the subplot. (laughs) the son and you know the tricky relationship with the son and the you know yeah. i actually thought that the backup backup goalie boyfriend or husband i thought was kind of funny you know mm. the smoothie bit i thought that was funny you know but i but like then if the movie, like backup backup if it's goalie considered yeah but if it's bombs if it's con- i don't know what i, I don't know Alana. what the take is at the box office yet but i'm just saying it's not doing great it's not doing great who's going to be blamed it's not going to be well, the yeah. studio exactly. Of course not. No, it's, it's going to be, be, it's going to be, no one wants to watch Filipinos. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Well, and that's just, yeah. I mean, set that movie up. You set that movie up to fail. Yeah. Mm. And, and because unfortunately, you don't trust the story. Right. And unfortunately that first yeah. big break we get mm. reinforces right. the stupid bad stories that we've been trying to get away from. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, but you guys like, and well, Sorry, but um, we, as members of the non-majority, we don't mm-hmm. get many opportunities. You know, yeah, white, right. white mediocrity will yes. get 
many, many chances. Yeah. However, have you guys seen the, have you seen the film Yellow Rose? I really want to no, see it. I really want to see it. Guys, I'm shocked it? that people, are, it's spectacular. That's so great. I'm so glad to hear that. It's it, the authenticity amazing, of the Filipino, the, yeah. it should have been in Cannes. The yeah. authenticity of the Filipino immigrant experience in America without, without it, it, it universalized mm, what it yes. means to be undermined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Princess Ponzalan mm-hmm. is brilliant in it. That's great. Um, Eva who plays her daughter, uh, yeah. first generation, is brilliant. Yeah. Leia plays the aunt. Yeah. Diane Paragas, the writer, director, it's such a gorgeous film. Oh, that's How great. It was shot. Written, yeah. and Everything. I'm surprised that didn't yeah. get the traction. And Dan Paragas is repped yeah. by CAA. Mm. You know, yeah, but is she a priority? We should, we for CAA? should be but talking about thing. that film because yeah. Yeah. the acting, mm-hmm. the directing, the the, the cinematography, mm-hmm. the, it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, I but, was at the premiere in New York. I yeah. I was I I came out of that cinema like I am an immigrant, yeah. and my heart just mm. bled for I, I that yeah. film spoke for and it wasn't we weren't we weren't minimized by that mm. film if any if anything mm-hmm. it spoke of um it maximized the mm. the, the, the the hearts of the filipinos and and, and, right. and it's also a family film you know yeah. and the backdrop is this immigration thing in texas mm-hmm. and the girl is a musician yeah and mm. it's beautiful it's so moving yeah. and um why do you think it got no traction because that is sort of a, a do you think that might have been a combination of marketing like, budget do you, do you think budget. it was also a covid casualty yes absolutely yeah. there was a covid I casualty wonder, uh, um, i wonder if if that film had been done and released in 2019 or if that film was released if they'd held it and then released it mm-hmm. now yeah, yeah. Please, please, please see it. Yeah. Please see Yellow Rose. It's a spectacular. Yeah, yeah my, my daughter's and seen also, it, and it's amazing. My daughter, yeah. my daughter's seen it. I don't know how, but she said Eva Noblezada especially was like. Oh, she's it's streaming. It's streaming on. It. It's streaming on Amazon Prime. Oh, good. So okay. uh, yeah. maybe that's honestly, you you yeah. will forget that you you're, yeah. you're watching a Filipino film. Yeah, and yeah. I mean yeah. that. And I mean yeah. that in a like, really good way. When you're watching a story and it has nothing to do about yeah. nationality or whatever, it's just a good story. It's, it's the universality of the human condition, mm-hmm. the desire right. for a better life, the desire right. to be loved, the desire right. to be accepted in society, the desire to have a yeah. community. Yeah. And, um, and also we're spending a lot of time like, talking about mainstream this mainstream that yeah. what it means to be successful what it means what if it bombs what are mm. the repercussions how consequential yeah, yeah. it is you know yeah. but in my world in the mm-hmm. theater in terms of representation in in the theater most asian roles are actually given to filipino artists yes whether that's the true. role is yeah. filipino or not that's so that's right. actually really really good but no one because we're not pop culture no one talks about it Mm-hmm. In in London, you know, I come from the old Vic where, let's see, there's only been like two, three, four Filipinos have been there. Mm-hmm. James Bradwell is, is, is very, very successful in the theater. 
um, Kristen Foster was just in the West Stand in the life of Pi, who's just, he's in rehearsals now mm-hmm. at the Old Vic in a play called Eureka Day with Oscar winner Helen Hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, James Cooney was Horatio in Papa Esadu's highly acclaimed production of Hamlet at the Royal Shakespeare Company, mm-hmm. went to Lipa, mm-hmm. um, is uh, just finished the run of the 47th um in the west end but because we're not the theater is not considered to be like but it's legitimate theater it actually requires more skill yes um and and these people are trained classically Mm -hmm. in text and you know yeah but no one talks about it because it's not hollywood but those people are just as successful that 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 is how leia became big globally is because mm-hmm. of work in legitimate theater yeah you know yeah, yeah. so to me i'm seeing so but, but people, people don't care but, but, but people but don't me, care unless yeah. it's hollywood right but yeah so actually the i think of this panel it seems like well i think there's so many things to talk about here one absolutely what you said what we considered legitimate but you only speak right? of representation Wait. in hollywood terms well sorry that's, that's what i'm trying also, to break down right so but here's my thing. Wait, wait, wait. I want to break it down into a few things. One, we're talking about opportunity given to Filipino actors. I think that is one thing. And I actually think there we might or have been more, makers, or more maybe, no, lucky than maybe some other. <clears throat> because nga, even on stage, we tend to get cast in a lot of roles that are not for Filipinos. Latino, white, etc., etc. To me, that's one thing. The other is definitely our Filipinos telling our own stories, plural, because there's so many Filipino stories, of course. And yes, we need all of those stories to be told. We need to back our artists. We need to back our writers. We need to back our theater, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. The third thing that I was actually really the most curious about is even us as, quote, background noise. Because again, in the United States, in anywhere, any play that is ever written any screenplay, any script that's ever written that has an airport in it or a hospital in it or a cruise ship in it, if there isn't a Filipino on set, to me is strange because we are a, but we don't a part own of the fabric. Though. I know we don't those own that, but to me, that's a third. Not exclusive to Filipinos. Exactly. And to me, that's well, kind of a thing too. <clears throat> We're not seen as part of the fabric. Of okay. larger life, right? So, so yeah. I've got a comment about that. Okay. Specifically, because I, I actually, I was thinking about that question quite a bit. Mm-hmm. That very, that third pillar yeah. that you brought up. I was thinking about that quite a bit. And as I was sort of thinking about this conversation specifically, and we've, mm-hmm. it's come up in a number of different ways. I, I've said mm-hmm. it before, is the notion of shame. Right. Mm. So that's come up in a number of different uh, contexts in this mm-hmm. conversation. So, what you sort of describe as background, mm-hmm. okay, um, or fabric, or, or fabric, you know what I mean? right? Yeah. So, so you know, like just the whole idea of like you know, it's. I feel like it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? Okay. Because you know. Why are there not like why are the extras or why is the background noise not more diverse right. and where are the Filipinos in mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. 
Can you imagine if that is the case, but that's all you ever see? Well, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you realize, well, okay. Well, they're always, you know, like, let's say, for example, Grey's Anatomy, something mm-hmm. like Grey's Anatomy, all the nurses, let's say one third of the nurses that are cast on Grey's Anatomy are Filipino. Right. Well, there's representation there. Right. And then it ends. they never have a storyline. Right. 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 So then, so then you have people commenting, you know, you have people commenting mm-hmm. on like, well, okay, well, we have representation and you've checked off a box, <laughs> you know, but you know, people who are like, you know, keeping score. Right. will be like, well, yeah, but you're on screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I'm not on screen. I so see that. I'm, yeah. I'm on screen, but I'm invisible. I'm still right. fucking invisible. invisible. Totally. It's okay? like, what? it's like, what is it like yeah. an urban, it's like this, an urban movie and you have black people exactly. in the background. But exactly. and we're diverse because look, there's a whole bunch of black and Latinos in the background, so it's urban and it's quote real. But right. you're just in the background to yeah. support the hero story, right? Yeah, no, right, I see exactly. That. I mean, that's literally yeah. set dressing. I mean, right. Filipinos are also CEOs. Filipinos are also mm-hmm. engineers. Filipinos yes. are entrepreneurs. Right. Filipinos you know, are theater directors. Right. You know. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But we don't see them anywhere in any of that. Either yeah. in the in the back. Right. Well, we have to write it and produce them mm-hmm. for, 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 the, yeah. for the mainstream industry to see us. Because how can we demand mm-hmm. representation for an industry largely controlled and financed by 96%, yeah. not yes. us? Yeah. Sure. Exactly. I'm sorry, but like, you know, screenwriters are not going to write about their Filipino nannies. Exactly. Yeah. yeah not sure. even if they're fucking them. <laughs> there you go. Especially, especially oh not at the clock in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is what happens when you guys are like, oh, just throw some whiskey in it. <laughs> yeah, but I'll marry them and make them executive producers, right? Yep. Right. Yep. And we're getting, you know, it's in, have you have you worked with Marie Hamora, Victor? I'm sorry, who? Marty Hamora. She's very interesting. She's an old childhood friend, but she's been working extensively. Like she was, Chris, she was with um, Ava DuVernay for Queen Sugar, I want to say. She's directed like several, several episodes for that. And then now she's directing a series that seems to center around a Filipino story of hotel cleaners, hotel maids, hotel service. Yeah. And she's directed several episodes there. So okay. it's interesting oh, for I've, me. I've, I've, I've not worked with her. God, it's very amazing. interesting to follow because, yeah. yeah, because it's also like she's really, what yeah. am I trying to say? But I'm crossing over. It's not just the Filipino story. It is right. this universal human story, but also for underrepresented yeah. cultures, including Filipino. Ah. I think what she's doing is actually really, really interesting. No. Mm-hmm. Um, my I mean, I world is almost yeah. exclusively in the theater, so forgive mm-hmm. my ignorance. So, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, no, I mean, theater, theater baby here and big fan of the theater. And Chris is, of uh, course, a champion. So, yeah, no, we, we also do the theater disservice because obviously the yeah. way we primarily consume entertainment yeah. is really through and, and where we try to seek representation. It's yeah. really movies and you know yep. very very mainstream <laughs> or TikTok. You know, yes. During um during the <laughs> pandemic, 
um, during the pandemic uh, when our industry was basically decimated. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Theater, the theater specifically. And Sam Mendes wrote this um, really powerful op-ed, a demand from the Arts Council for support because during the pandemic, the, the only exclusive form of entertainment was streaming a Netflix. Yep. And he argued that the, the content of the popular Netflix series and streaming content that's being consumed globally by people, they're all made, written by theater people. Yeah. But the theater industry is not being supported across the board. So there was that economic inequality just in terms of um, investment. Yeah, you guys should read it. It's a really, really powerful um, uh, letter by Sam Mendes. Um, for, he was, he was originally... Where did come out? Uh, it, would be, it would have been late 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was sometime okay. on, I have it. I can, I can email it to you, yeah. 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 And, yeah. Um, and you know, he started out as... Yeah, he was a theater director, artistic yeah, director, he's one of founder the, of, of the John Mar Warehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of the uh, most important directors of his generation. I yeah, I, I wrote okay. my, my dissertation. My presentation yeah. was on Sam Mendes's work. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's really wonderful. Theater in New York. Yeah, no, it came out strong for sure for the community. Chris here was involved in our alum did a really interesting. What was it? It was like a Zoom musical, right? Yeah, we did. It was, okay. Right. There are way too many, way, way, way too many people from Brown that went into theater. <laughs> oh. Way too many freaking people. Absolutely. Gone into theater from but Brown. It was, it love, was lovely that, you know, I the, love the Brown. The Brown uh, MFA program is one of the I know, best. right? It's so it's like, good. It's like a, such it's a so mafia. Good. It's a huge oh, mafia. Oh, it right? absolutely is. And the consortium with mafia. Trinity Rap. You know, the consortium <laughs> yeah. with Trinity Rap. It's. Yeah. And this but I just, love that everyone came out. But the thing is, the community had to come out for itself, right? And so, so, yeah, so yeah, we did a um, we did a Zoom musical that was basically, I guess, how many pieces did we do? We did ten seven minute original musicals. It was wonderful, it and was it so was wonderful. Like yeah. somewhere, it was like around a hundred alums participated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I directed That's one amazing. of the pieces. Yep, and it was it was great. It was just like seven original songs seven or eight original songs like in chris's um, one and piece. we ended up we ended up um raising forty thousand dollars for the actors fund so I know. oh brilliant so, but that's yeah. the thing and it has to happen right. daniel i know daniel alexander jones who's another good friend also mfa yeah. been so, you have to he says you know you can't be an artist being an artist is being an activist right yeah, and so absolutely. he's done so much for the community as well mm-hmm. and but to this quick sort of side note it was so funny because when I heard about this, it was through Rhonda. It was one of yeah. those people who acted in this piece. Very good friend of mine, Rhonda Ross. And she goes, um, no, do you know Chris Salas? I was like, fuck you. Yeah, of course I do. Shut up. I knew her before you. Like she directed me before you. And then like the co-star was Joseph, who was in my acting class. And the writer yeah. is June, who we also knew from Rights and Reasons. Like it was crazy. Yeah. But it when the community, to me, it's wonderful that the community comes together. But, you know, it's also... The community fans for itself, largely. And three yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of like my, my positive takeaway during like the mm-hmm. pandemic lockdown was like yeah. the community yeah. did come together. 
Yeah. I, um, I was, um, I did, um, I did the very first, uh, full production live stream, uh, multi-camera, uh, in mm-hmm. the UK. I also, um, did a bridge project, uh, with mm-hmm. Filipino British actors mm-hmm. and Filipino actors in Manila. Cool. On a play called The Pride that we did like as a masterclass workshop. Mm-hmm. It was with uh, James Cooney, James Bradwell, Janine Ocampo, and Manchula Tanko. Mm-hmm. It was about, uh, it's, it's a fabulous play. In fact, I was meant to do it at the Maybank last year, mm-hmm. but because the, the lockdown 2.0 mm-hmm. yeah. happened, you know, yeah. it, w- it was really fantastic. And it was um, the, the Bridge Project Masterclass was primarily targeted to theater practitioners in the Philippines, in Manila specifically. So it was quite successful. We had a great audience online mm-hmm. and, um, and we were able to explore like an, on how to create online and come together as, as yeah, fantastic. Was, yeah. I, it's so <clears throat> vibrant here. Red Turnip Theater here is, you know, fantastic. Jenny oh, Hamora, Jenny Hamora amazing. is Marie's sister. If you know Jenny Hamora, she's Marie's sister who I was talking about I, earlier. I've met, I've met okay, Jenny. So uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, and, and Red, Turn, Red Turnip is, has great content. Right. They, they, Super. Their, their programming is amazing. We, I yeah, saw we have warriors one of the productions in at the white space. Yes, exactly. And, we have yeah, warriors I, I here looking out for it. Was constellations theirs also? I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah, but they've had so the many one, fantastic constellations. What was that about? Was that about the female astro? Yes, it's a two-hander. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, I saw Couple, that. Husband, wife. So, yeah. Yes, yes, I saw that in um, at that Power Mac. Atlantis. At Power Mac, and no, I saw it was in Atlantis. Okay, it might. I think it was right I'm going to be the tita. <laughs> I'm going to be the tita and just make sure everyone knows the time. It is ten fifteen, right? Yeah. So I want to make sure. So this this podcast, the whole reason it's called flipping the narrative, right? Is Flip was a derogatory term for Filipinos way back in the day. And a lot of Filipinos don't even know this. And we wanted to sort of flip it on its head and sort of look at these different topics in different ways and whatever. And I'm curious now, you know, first of all, Jesus Christ. I mean, thank you for elevating this conversation. Oh, my God. So much higher than I thought we would go. We went into theory. We went into metacolonialism. We went into stats. I mean, Lord have mercy. It was just so far above and beyond anything I could have imagined. And I'm curious now talking to, you know, these two wonderful guests and experts that we have on here. If you had like a magic wand, you had your druthers like overnight, how would this change? How would you see Filipino stories being told? Filipinos in the system, Filipino representation, Filipino theater, Filipino in pop culture. What what would your like dream vision look like? Um, you know, a few weeks ago, there was um, the mega lottery was like one point two billion dollars. Holy Moses! If I had won that, I would have invested in mm-hmm. helping mm-hmm. local democratic politics mm-hmm. and just as important and equally would be investing in Filipino mm. creator. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
because that's where it is. You, we talk so much about representation, mm-hmm. but we're not yeah. representing ourselves. Yeah. yeah. How could we demand it from an, a billion, billion, billion industry if we're not representing ourselves? So, and, and, and Chris yeah. touched on this earlier tonight. So for me, if I had a wand or a $1.2 mm-hmm. billion dollar lottery winner, winning yeah. money, mm-hmm. I would create an incubator program. Empower, invest in screenwriters, playwrights who are Filipinos yeah. to, to, to give them an opportunity, give them a year's annual salary with health insurance and everything. Yeah. To, to explore, do research for pre-colonial Philippines, tell those incredible mm-hmm. stories. Absolutely. We have such diversity in language, mm-hmm. in dialect, in experiences, in influences. There is a lot to excavate. I love mm-hmm. it. But yeah. no one Absolutely. is investing in that. Yeah. Our people right. are not investing in that. Yeah. But we expect the industry to cast us in. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. 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 Okay. So, any listeners out there who have one point two billion dollars to burn, <laughs> there is a job opening. This could be that's, you. That's Please my apply. Mag- that's my magic wand. Yeah. yeah. It's like a game. Okay. Uh, I think I I would do something pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I hear Victor saying has a lot to do with barriers to entry, right? Mm-hmm. Erasing barriers to entry, mm-hmm. right? So he's. He's talking about barriers to entry for the artist, mm-hmm. the creative minds, the creative forces. Mm-hmm. I want to create barriers to entry for the audience, mm. the families, the support mm. system. Oh, God, yeah. Okay? Because if you, if you have a barrier mm. to entry as an artist, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But if you also don't have a support system. You don't mm-hmm. have an audience who understands what you're trying to do mm-hmm. or is able to appreciate and recognize the importance of what you're trying to do and the story you're trying to tell and identify themselves in that story that you're trying to tell without any shame. Mm-hmm. You know, then you're not, as the artist, you're not speaking in a vacuum. You're not in an yeah. echo chamber. You know what I mean? Yep. Because mm-hmm. you can only connect as much as people want to hear your voice. Yeah. Yeah, and if somebody wants to hear your voice, you know, like it, like to me, you know, I, like I grew up as as somebody whose parents, like my parents, never came to any of the shows I did at Brown. I don't know if you know that. No, I don't. Never came. They never came to any of my shows. The only time they came to a show was when I directed a show that ended up going to the Kennedy Center. Mm. And then they were like, "Our daughter is going to the Kennedy Center." You know, mm-hmm. and not to disrespect my parents, they just mm-hmm. were like, "We don't know what to do with this." Right? Like, we don't know. We don't have a. We don't have a context in mm-hmm. which to measure this as successful or not successful. We don't know what this means. Like, my mother right. used to say that to me all the time. Right? <laughs> like, you do theater. I'm a doctor. How am I supposed to understand what you know when you're doing something good? Yeah. Right? I, I don't know. That's your mm-hmm. language. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. To have that support is so mm-hmm. crucially important in terms of somebody trying to develop their creative voice. What I wanted to say was you were talking about barriers to entry and the barriers also that we of infrastructure as well, mm-hmm. I think. Like in a place like the Philippines, yeah. art is still considered uh, an elitist. Um, yeah, oh yeah, luxury yes. for sure. Yes. Right? 
And then, yeah. but then what we, again, as a privileged class or whatever, whatever you want to call it, there's a whole art underground kind mm-hmm. of underbelly culture, whatever in the Philippines, because we're such creative people, right? Yeah. There's a whole music yes. scene in Kansas City. Yeah, there's totally, this happening totally. there. And that rock. The roads are so bad. The traffic's so bad. We never get there. You know, and it, it's it's also part of the problem here that we can't yeah. also appreciate things because we have no inclination to spend three, four hours in traffic back and forth. You know what I mean? Right. So we're losing out. We're creating those barriers as well for ourselves by yeah. not tackling the greater structural problems of society. Sorry to bring it back to politics, but that's also what it is. So when you have right. these yeah. things... Okay, if you have better transport, you have better buildings, you know, yeah, you have better sure. pay scales and, and protections for workers, yeah. including workers in the arts. Yeah. Then you can build an arts going and arts appreciating culture. I was saying you were echoing what Re- Re- Reb, Tanya and Rissi were also saying. Yes, you see, I got their names. Exactly, I told yeah, the, exactly. the COVID brain fog yeah. comes and goes. But that's exactly what they were saying, that there's no support for the artists. Yeah, how hard. And then to Victor's point earlier about education in the arts, we're also yes. so kulelat there. And I think that yeah. also impacts what, what Chris was saying. Uh, how are people going to appreciate also everything that we're putting out when they look at it and they're like, what the fuck is this? Right. I don't know what to do this. You know what's really incredible though? And I think that is, that is probably the resiliency, uh, the, the, the positive one that we can talk is that no matter what, we are... I mean, it is a group of people that just keeps on trying because they love what they do so much mm-hmm. that yeah. it is always there. This is why we have the small little, um, you know, theater companies here that keep on <clears throat> testing. We keep have the on, artists. Keep on keeping on. Just keep yeah. on going and going and mm-hmm. going and proving because it's in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah. that um, you know, that, that is probably, Victor, what, what you wanted to do. You know, you're saying, no, I'm going to keep on going and going and going and going and going until I actually get what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for many of us, it takes almost all of our lives until we then say, okay, maybe not anymore, <laughs> right? But, right. But, but, but what's really important is, is that, that we have that willingness to just keep on, on, on fighting for our own stories. And I'd like to loop this back to sort of, what I, what to me has been the, the biggest, I guess, um, takeaway from, from the conversation, which is I, I, I will now say if I had a wand, what I'd like to tell every single Filipino is you deserve what you have and even more mm-hmm. and, and start going after every single dream that you ever had from the first dream as a kid, because you deserve it and you can get to it. Right. And, and do not stop at your Lola or your mom shaming you for not caring enough for your brother or your, your sister or your pamankin or your whatever. Keep going and, and really feel proud that anything and everything that you have is already enough. Mm. Yeah. And be yeah. willing to do the work. And yes. be willing yeah. to do yeah. the work. Yeah. Have like a really good work ethic. Yeah, because you know the way. Like for me, like I don't really, I don't care for success or recognition, mm. or I don't really. I've never ever been motivated by that. I've just, I just feel the most alive when mm-hmm. I'm in a rehearsal room. Yeah, with ex- mm-hmm. with actors and theater makers exploring the possibilities. Mm-hmm. And being 
curious about because it uh, quite honestly it, it makes the, the work makes me a better human being mm-hmm. in terms of like trying to understand other people's perspective and experiences yeah. Yeah. under these extraordinary circumstances in yeah. 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 And I think that if if people saw more plays in theater like I really truly believe that there would be better understanding about Absolutely. humanity. 100%. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. care to win or I don't, I've never been motivated by those things. I just feel most alive in a rehearsal room. That's yeah. why I do what I do. You know, it's a magical place. the rehearsal room is a very magical place. Absolutely. And I'd, be, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I envy you desperately. I envy <laughs> you so much. Same. I was thinking no. the same, thinking back. Um, there was, do you remember that one of the, one of the, unfortunately we have the specifiers are so damn many, but one of the bigger, um, shootings in a school, not Ovalde, not mm-hmm. Sandy Hook in Florida. Do you remember that? Um, Parkland. Of course now it is, yes, Parkland, Parkland yeah. right. Yeah. And Parkland. I saw an interesting article about why the kids were able to come together so quickly, support each other so quickly and, and go into activism so quickly on such a big yeah, scale mobilize. and be so effective. They mobilize. That's the term. Thank yeah. you. Is in yeah. part because that school had such a powerful arts program. Mm. And that's, that's kind of mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. much stems from the arts. Like what you were saying, yeah. Victor, understanding, understanding, understanding levels, complexity, all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Empathy, deep, deep empathy for different sides and different experiences. I just, I'm so with you there. It's so when you underfunded. are studying the arts, you are studying the human condition. There you go. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. That's what you're doing. There's a theme mm-hmm. going around. I can't even remember who did it. Like something talking about the value of poetry, right? What does poetry mm. mean? And why, why do we even, why should we even care? Mm-hmm. And I, I made me think of your parents, um, Chris, because um, mm. you're saying like, if you're a doctor or whatever, and you see death and, and sickness and everything, I mean, or someone dies, or it could be anyone, right? And somehow there's n- nothing, feel- you read a word, you read a, mm-hmm. a phrase, a third of a phrase, it just somehow captures the emotion you're feeling, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. at the moment. That, that's art, that's poetry. Yeah. That's, well, what you should know is Bambina is a, a poet herself, just so you know. She's a poet and a writer, and, and quite a beautiful one. So, yeah, <laughs> I stand Bambina on this for sure. Yes, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. No, I was it <laughs> no, also made me think of something else that Louise also brought up and, and I think you also Victor about we're expected to be humble and mm-hmm. that's also why we subsume ourselves so much that our stories don't get told because again we don't think you know we don't think we should you know, lower or, sharing, or, yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever worth sharing or something mm-hmm. because we're taught that's also part of the Catholic kind of the, the religious mm-hmm. um, indoctrination want a better word it's kind of like you know stay low and you know whatever and so you can't sort of like just say you can't you know the answer like you know if you notice the way filipino entertainment writers the future writers or whatever you want to call them when they interview people who've made it big abroad right and they always come back saying oh she's still so humble after all her years (laughs) in hollywood you know what i mean and it's like what does that really mean right it doesn't say anything i mean for me it it, it has no value it, it, it's basically a way of saying like mm-hmm. ah, pero Pinoy pa rin siya, you mm-hmm. know 
deep down mm. because she's still not and I God fucking God. hate <laughs> false humility I hate it we're great with it huh? and we are great with it we are so good so good I hate good. false humility yeah yeah okay. but can I just um, can I just please allow me to do this because Bambina you're a poet my um, my mentor is a woman called Deborah Headwall um, which is why I can't decolonize art because my influences are so, you know, you know, I, you know, yeah. anyway, so uh, she was the protege of Uta Hagen. So um, she wrote, uh, she compiled a book of poetry for the actors. And oh, nice. in her introduction, she wrote this. If I'm, please allow me to share this. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at the theater to be one of the last bastions of truth telling and that actors, the messengers of the human experience, must be held accountable to mm. convey the deepest truths. They must be unafraid and curious about the emotional wilderness set before them, capable and fearless to breathe life into the exploration of the human experience. By its very nature, poetry, poetry encourages quiet contemplation, mm-hmm. focus, mm-hmm. and brave self-reflection. Mm. that spans the heart and the mind to ignite greater awareness of the world. Poetry invites the actor to claim a place in the great history of the human endeavor that has forever struggled to make sense of love, death, morality, existence, and the unknowable. Bullseye. Bullseye. That's exactly what it is, right? Y'all got me tearing yeah. up. Good lord. You got me all feeling the feels. It's like, you know, Bell Hooks, she has this book on love, right? And my daughter is reading it. She went back to she's 15. She goes, Mom, I want to I really want to power through this philosophy. So for a 15-year-old, sometimes it's a little tough. But she is in the middle of it and she goes. She really talks about love as a verb, doesn't she? It's this brave love. It's love as action. And mm. I really, I think Kase so many, especially Pinoy's, but certainly this is not unique to us. So many people think of the arts as, as either intellectual masturbation or just luxury or just something that is so placid and passive and, and elitist. so elitist. Elitist, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it is forceful, forceful understanding, exploring, pushing activism. It's just, mm-hmm. I think that was beautiful. And the only reason it's perceived to be um, an elitist medium is because, um, because of the lack of arts education. Whereas Absolutely. in the UK, yeah. you can go to a pub and yeah. I could be talking about Hamlet with my bartender. Right. 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 And because they can go to the National Theater for 10, mm-hmm. 15 pounds. Exactly. And see great theater. Yeah. It's subsidized. I mean, Absolutely. In the United States, there's a bar. To, I mean, arts education has be, has steadily, yeah. steadily and gutted. Yeah. and gutted and devalued. Yeah. And, you know, and it has evolved into a capitalistic. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. You know, what struck me when I was doing my year, my master's in the UK was outside of London, how it struck, like actually hit me quite hard how working class, um, you know, the rest of the UK really is, right? And, but 
in my class, you know, we were all studying, you know, doing our master's in um, museum studies. And it didn't mean anything, right? I mean, work class or whatever, maybe in terms of, of exposure to certain things, but there was a kind of egalitarian access to art and like, and, and, you know, academia as well. Um, now, they were talking about maybe their job prospects post-masters, that maybe they wouldn't get an entry in museums as easily as maybe someone with connections or something. But that, that's a different story. But the thirst for knowledge and mm-hmm. the need, like it's almost like this <clears throat> internal uh, desire to, be, to have your life enriched by the arts, yeah. that's nothing to do with class. Right. And, you know, we were, we had our classes at the Sainsbury Center, which is a world class museum. And you walk through Picasso's and Bacon's and, and even, you know, pre Columbian art and everything every day. And it's like, mm. you soak this up. And this is for everyone. Right. It's not like, yeah. You can't enter okay. You know what I mean? so, so, what we're learning is we need 10, this needs to be a 10 parter, <laughs> this topic, <laughs> because. Especially if you're talking with heavy hitters here, like Chris and Victor, that bring their own personal experiences, directors, actors, producers, etc. And also we have a lawyer here, Puneta, and like an expert on representation and BIPOC and inclusion and equity and belonging and all this stuff. There's a lot, right? But, you know, we're Filipinos, so we can take a lot. We can halo halo to death. But I do want to make sure... Luis always does this actually rather beautifully at the end of every podcast after we're done bitching about all the shit we need to change (laughs) in the spirit of art as activism and pushing for positive movement and keeping at it and keeping at it and keeping at it and supporting each other. Last words, folks, Chris and Victor, like what would you lift us up, baby? Bring us Mm. forward. What's the fuel you're going to put? What's the octane you're going to give us today? As Filipinos, Filipino Americans, Filipino Europeans, whatever, to keep us going and pushing, man. What is it? Oh, gosh, <laughs> no pressure. It's all on you. Game. That, yeah, <laughs> give us Say fire, baby. Great. No, Say no, just great and don't be humble. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No humility yeah, today. <laughs> Again, give us our fuel. You know, I always uh, under pressure. I always go really simple. <clears throat> I like to go really simple because it's. Nothing is so nothing is so tremendous that you can't attack it. Nothing is so mm. overwhelming that you can't address it. Nothing is mm. so overwhelming that you can't nudge it. I think bravery is best when it's in small steps. Mm. Okay. Mm. I think it takes a tremendous amount of courage and bravery to be able to tell your own story. But a lot of that has to do with just giving yourself permission. Oh, mm. definitely. And so, you know that applies, Chris, yeah. also to our political situation now, because huh? it feels so Absolutely. daunting. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, courage, courage is best, not with the great gestures, but with the mm. small ones. Amen. And a lot of telling your story is just little steps in courage every day. That's all it is. <sighs> Yeah, courage and permission. Courage and permission oh. and take the yep. steps no matter how small, yeah? No take matter it. how small. No take matter it. how small because even if it doesn't make a, a difference to you that one day, 
You never know who it's going to make a difference to. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. I got reflective. What's going to be my step? <laughs> well, it's really good. That's really great, Chris. Um, <laughs> no. Thank you. No, courage and permission. That's. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really liberating what you just mm. said. Yeah. Um, think of how many people don't do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. they think it's too much. And really, it's just so simple. Overthinking, yeah, sim- simplifying the path, right? In the, yes. Yeah, simplifying yeah. the path. Well, oh for God, me, it's, well, for me, it's um, continue to be curious. Mm. Um, and, also, mm-hmm. and also be a great listener mm-hmm. and endeavor mm-hmm. to my very best, honest, truthful work. Mm-hmm. Because I know that, and Leigh and I talk about this all the time, wherever we land in the world, in whatever capacity, because of such um, small opportunities mm-hmm. for our flag, mm-hmm. we Ugh. are viewed and perceived as Filipino. So it, um, for me, it's just by doing our best, by doing your most honest, truthful, mm-hmm. authentic work. Yes. And you, you, you speak for, for our culture. Mm-hmm. And I will mm-hmm. continue to advocate for my people, the arts community, and I will continue to go back home and impart and share the, the training, practice, mm-hmm. the knowledge that I have gained and earned, mm-hmm. you know, London and New York, back with my fellow theater makers and co-creators and, and artists in the Philippines and, and any opportunity that I will, I will wholeheartedly do it. That's it, really. Awesome. So we have courage and permission. Keep stepping forward. I love what you were saying, Victor, here. Now. Continue. Continue. Like, it has to be what I really keep hearing from you is it's a choice to continue. It is a choice to be active and sharing and getting those voices out there and supporting each other. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of curious like, and authentic and honest yes. and truthful and be collaborative. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm coming out of here trying to figure, okay, how then do I hold myself up to those standards? <laughs> what am I going to do today? What authentic truth and curiosity am I going to bring to the world with fucking bravery and permission and i think we should make t-shirts truth and authenticity (laughs) courage and permission okay folks i think on that note we've kept you about 10 minutes over what we normally do i sincerely like i said this is the topic that i think is nearest and dearest to my heart and just it blew my fucking mind it just was so far and above anything that i was wishing for and I learned a lot, you know, and thank you. I'm just, I'm so grateful that you guys made it. So yay. Oh, thank <laughs> you for the kind invitations. Thank you. Yes. For yeah. oh, thank, thank you. you. I mean, we've been wanting to have this, this topic, you know, discuss this issue for a while. And, you know, from what both of you were saying, what all of us were saying as well today, it, I, you know, what keeps sticking in my mind is what the Nigerian writer Chimamande um, 
Adit Chingozi, you know, said she had a TED talk, I think, about the tyranny of a single story. And I've always said that for too long, we Wait, say that one more time, please. Say that one more time. The tyranny, my microphone's here, sorry. The tyranny <laughs> of the single story. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, right? And when you think yeah. about it, I mean, I, when I, I first listened to her, her that, like years ago, and I was so struck by it because I kept thinking about the Filipino context and how we ourselves have been chained to this single story of Filipinos that, that poverty porn kind of thing, the, you know, mm. the beset by catastrophes and all that. And then the, the corruption and government and all, you know, it, it's a single story and it, it wasn't positive. And we've been prisoners of that story for so long, but you're saying we have more than one story to tell. You know, we have all these stories. Our culture is so deep. Our history is so deep. It's all there to be mined and presented to the world. And maybe not even the world at first, but to us. So, mm -hmm. you know, to help us understand who we are, right? And embrace that plurality, I think. So, yeah, don't be imprisoned by the tyranny of that single story. I was going to say, what I'm going to make sure that's going to happen is listeners know, please stay tuned. There's going to be a Chris and Victor foundation Part we're going to be taking two, donations three, four, soon five, for support of the arts so whatever <laughs> money you have burning in your pockets here be it a billion dollars be it 10 <laughs> we're going to set something up and then we're going to move this forward somehow but i got back these amazing people i mean artists Wait, on Chris, fire should we start like a gofundme is that what you're saying i think so you know what starter <laughs> is that still around gofundme works for me too this is awesome. Hi, Nako. Okay, thank you, everybody. We're going to say goodbye now. Thank you. The next reunion will have bourbon and wine. For the next reunion, is bourbon, martinis, and wine. Yes. 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 All right, everybody. Great to meet you all. Great to meet you all. Thank you. Chris, I'll find you on Messenger. Bye, guys. Okay, sounds good. Bye. Good night, everyone. Good, good night. Good night. <laughs> Luis, you're so good at this. So why don't you like round it up? Because you're so good at all of this. No, I, I think you know. Again, this just gets me on my sort of culture values spinning head, and it it again sort of um, reminds me how. Um, you know, on one side, we can be so kind and 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 helpful to others, and 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 on the other, we are always taught about this word that I really do not like, which is sacrifice. Um, you have to sacrifice, and you have to sacrifice for others. And this, I'm like, look, guys, let's talk about effort, right? I'll give you all the effort I can. That's above the line. That's great. But sacrifice is running on empty. And I think the, the issue that happens to many Filipinos is precisely that, that from an early age, there is this whole concept of sacrifice that basically mutes the ability to go for a dream and tell our story. And so what I'm taking, it's a little bit on the sort of sad side, but the reality is that it's telling people you don't need to sacrifice. Give as much of an effort as you want and as you can, but don't ever run on empty. And I think that that is really 
you know, um, the only way we can really move forward, A, with awareness, B, understanding who we are, our backgrounds, and three, the most important part is to be able to tell our story. You know, this reminds me a little bit of, of like my daughter who went to high school here and what she, in the Philippines, and what she kind of went through. It was actually in her high school in Deacon where her talent was recognized and nurtured. And I thought that was really amazing. It's a small school so that, you know, there was time. That you, had, you were able to get the attention that you needed. And really, it was, um, it was really life-changing for her. Like she had been in a bigger school in South Africa, and she was one of many, and kind of like had made a mark there, whatever. But really, the talent was, was spotted and nurtured and, um, you know, here. But at the same time, within her peer group, it was almost like, which is what you were saying earlier. It's like, yeah, okay, fine, you know, you dominate the discussions or whatever, but, you know, don't be so full of yourself. So it's like, it's two opposing strands, right? And you're supposed to find yourself within those two extremes. My point was like going back to what you said earlier, Louise, about these two extremes in Filipino thought, um, and behavior, whatever, thought behavior. culture, whatever you want to be, behavior. Yeah. We like to say, oh yeah, but we're so bad at blowing our own horn. But when, when we do, we're, you know, we're put down. We're basically crucified for doing it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm so happy that our next episode will be on humor. <laughs> uh, this is the kind of stuff I actually feel super fired up. And I mean, this really brings me back to my roots in school, certainly where I met Chris, you know, in that context. And it always comes back to this, right? There's no one thing to do. It's all of it. <laughs> we have to fund education and the arts and we have to support our artists and then we have to write our stories and all of it has to be done and all of it's valid. And I think you know, Lou, I really agree with you. Now. So yeah, pursue your dream. Don't don't let anyone kind of, you know, snuff out that light. On the other hand, it's so hard to do and you can't eat, right? So it oh, really sure. has to be yeah. the brave people to keep moving forward and the people in the background who really support, support. it, right? And the education so that we can all receive it and the activists who push us forward. There's so much to yeah. do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I love, I miss these conversations. I remember having these conversations. This is the kind of stuff we would have. I was lucky, less privileged enough to have till three in the morning, four in the morning with a paper due at nine, you know? And I miss that. And I think there's so much value there. And I, I really hope we can kind of take that forward. And maybe this podcast can be that for a few people, right? Who listen. Um, if we can manage to stay not sick <laughs> and do do our episodes more frequently. How funny. Okay, folks. I'm well, very excited. I'm that very, very one. grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. And to thank listeners, you. we're back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye. Well, was it worth it? Did we work it? Put that thing down. Flip it in reverse it. Keep flipping with us. Subscribe to Flipping the Narrative wherever you get your podcasts to listen to our new episodes as soon as they drop. We are on social media too. Follow at Flipping the Narrative on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you think. Or send us an email at flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. 
That's flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. Music courtesy of Cumbia Mamacita by Yoki of Ozen Beats. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Josel Gaston, our sound editor and musical engineer and podcast advisor and overall guru, and to Nami Kapati, the artist who created our awesome logo and visuals. Till we flip again. Till we flip again.